Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to the Jack and Joe Show. We talk about property, business, and everything in between. Hosted by Jack Heskin-Taylor and Joe McCarthy. Sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, property investors, and our journey to health, wealth, and happiness. Welcome to another episode of the Jack and Joe Show with me, Jack Eskin-Taylor. And me, Joe McCarthy. Today we are here with the lovely Laura Muse. How are you, Laura? I'm great, thank you. How are you too? Yes, good. Yeah, excellent. Good, good. good, good. Um, I think we, uh, we, we first, well, I think I first met you um, when you did a talk at the Liverpool um, Multiple Streams of Property Income. That's a while ago now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a while ago. <laughs> Is that like June last year? Yeah, I think it was. It was June, wasn't it, Joe? It was June or early July, yeah, one or the other. Yeah. Summertime, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. It'd really be good, Laura, just to give um, everyone listening just a little bit of an insight into, into who you are and what you do. And then after that, we sort of maybe go into your, um, into your background and where it all started. Yeah, sure. Um, so my name's Laura Muse, um, director of I Squared Property. Um, we're based in Sheffield. Me and my husband work together, so it's a husband-wife duo. Um, we've invested in Sheffield now for the past eight years. Uh, well, more my husband than me. I was always a bit on the sidelines. Um, we are full-time property investors since September 18. We have a buy-to-let portfolio. We have a lettings and management business. We do new builds and we also have a deal packaging um, business that we offer to um, investors, which is a soft refurb and management facility. And we also have I-squared training, which is um, training property investors, how to do it more efficiently and um, all things social media. So that's kind of us in a nutshell, really. Nice. Nice. And where did it all start? Um... I know you mentioned then sort of full-time from 2018. What, what did you do before then? So my background is absolutely nothing to do with property. I'm an equine nutritionist um, by trade. So if you don't know what that is, it's um, learning how to feed a horse properly. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. Yeah. So very, very different. Um, always been, my background's always been in sales and marketing around um, horse feed or about equine clothing. So um, up until September, July 18, I used to import my own equestrian goods from Europe. So I had my own equestrian business. Um, James did the property alongside um, the business that he had, which was a large um, energy renewal company in Sheffield. And then we kind of took the plug in November 18 to go full time. So there was a bit of a catalyst to that. Um, obviously, we had a little girl and um, she was two at the time. And we just were spending way too much time at work. I was away from home a lot. I covered the entire UK. Um, I covered Ireland. So it was, I was away from home a lot. And probably spent about six days a, w- a month at home, which 
when you've got a young family is not really great. Yeah. So decided I wanted to do a little bit more on social media, thought it would leverage my time a little bit more and went to a course. My husband went to do find out if we can do this property thing, as we used to call it, a little bit quicker. Um, went and did a course on the same day. I did social media. He did um, property. We met up at the end of the day and I just thought, I just don't want to do this um, equestrian business anymore. It's not where I want to go. I'd been in a room with property investors um, all morning and they were telling me how amazing it is and how much time they've got and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I completely bought into it. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, literally that day I shut down my business overnight and embarked on a full-time property investment career. Nice. Lovely. No, that sounds great. And sounds like a kind of similar story for a lot of people getting into property. Well, speaking for myself, is that kind of leveraged lifestyle, you know, the kind of the dream of that kind of passive income to be able to do things that we wouldn't normally be able to do in, in other circumstances. Um, but that's great. And regards to uh, transferable skills as well. I mean, you were in sales and marketing. So how has that kind of, you know, evolved into the property world, so to speak? So um, me and my husband, like I say, work together. We've got very different skill sets. So obviously he was the one with the property experience. So when we started in September 18, we had six, six units, if you want to, to call them. So we had two um, single by to lets and then husband had done a new build, which was four units. So two commercial shops and two flats. So we already started with property, but it was him that had the experience, not me. So um, I went on a um, kind of introductory property course, um, literally learning about like, buy-to-lets and thought, what the hell am I doing? I don't know any of this stuff. Um, who on earth is going to listen to me when it's just got all the experience? So that was September 18. Yeah. And I kind of really had to have a little bit of a um, conversation with myself. Actually, me and James are very different, as in personality and skill sets. So yes, he had the skill sets for obviously the refurbs, finding materials, etc. But my business has always been customer facing all my life. So I, I am really good with people. I'm great at building relationships. And that's kind of the avenue that I took was building the investor relationships, building the estate agent relationships and marketing our business. Because obviously no one knew anything about us. Um, and it was how am I going to generate awareness of who we are and that we are the go-to people in Sheffield. So that was kind of the role I took at first quite reluctantly. <laughs> um, as I do like to know a lot of information before I kind of put myself out there. I don't like going out there on the back foot. So I really did a lot of research, a lot of learning, a lot of listening to podcasts, um, a lot of site visits with James going to other investors' sites um, in and around Sheffield and just absorbing and learning as much as I could. And that's kind of probably took me into January 19. And then I started on um, a mastermind in March 19, and that's kind of what propelled my previous skills as in sales and marketing by my mentor kind of forcing me to uh, implement them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good. That accountability definitely helps, doesn't it? Oh, uh, it's for me. I mean, I've been pretty lucky that I've I've always kind of worked on my own. So um, I am quite self motivated, but it was something that I really knew very well. So the equestrian world I'd grown up with, I had horses myself, whereas this was completely new. 
Yeah. And I did procrastinate a lot, which I never used to. So I wasn't used to that feeling um, of wanting to do something, but just making every excuse under the sun not to do it and not starting it. And <laughs> I was getting very frustrated with myself. And if I hadn't have done the mentoring, um, I probably would not be as far as we are today without that. So yeah. for me, it definitely worked. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. Um, just in relation to that then, like, because I know you're absolutely smashing it right now on social media. Can you dive a, bit, a little bit into that, into, um, you know, you know, you know, building your brand, your personal awareness and that kind of thing? Yeah, so um, March 18, I attended my first session at my mastermind session. Um, my mentor, they did like a bit of a keynote about social media. People should be putting themselves out there. I literally sat in my seat and cringed and I thought, I'm going to have to do this. I just don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Literally palpitations, sweaty hands, everything. Um, so I had my mentoring session all day and literally was told, for the next 30 days, you need to be posting on social media. I'm like, oh my God, what on earth am I going to talk about? Um, and it was just like, look, just document what you're doing, document your journey. Now I am one of them people that I do get a bit obsessed with things so and I like to do it right. Yeah. So I kind of all the way home, it took me like an hour and 45 minutes to get home that night. I'm like, how can I do this? I don't want to be like the same as everyone else. <clears throat> um, I want to do things a bit different. So I didn't sleep that night and the next morning I popped up with this idea of Laura on location. So I don't know if anyone's seen the videos but Basically, I, I thought I'm going to go around and tell people about my investment area because I knew my investment area very well. Obviously, I'd lived there for like five, six years. Um, so I did a series of videos, which really was the catalyst to everything that we do, um, just trying to be a little bit different. So I went around Sheffield, told people why this was a great investment area, but more importantly, what the opportunity was for an investor because my main our key thing was um, in March 19 is we we had a we were fortunate that we had some money to start with. We had a, obviously the sale of my husband's business and we had quite a bit of money to start with. But that obviously once you start buying and it gets tied up in refinancing can dwindle very quickly. Yeah. We didn't want to stop the journey. So we really wanted to push as forward as possible, um, but using other people's money. So I had to find investors, or should I say, I had to be um, visible so they could find me. And I quickly realised the only way to do that was by doing social media. So I did the Laura on location videos. I did videos every day, feeling very uncomfortable, I'll point out, for 30 days. And it took me seven weeks to raise £600,000 from two investors. And they came from the, um, the Laura on location videos. A lot of investors said, why are you telling people about your area? But I'm sure, you know, in Sheffield, there's plenty of houses to go around for everybody. Um, and everyone's different. So I might develop a relationship with one agent and then investor with somebody else and they get on with them better and vice versa. So never really crossed my mind that. It was just about, I wanted to be the go-to person in Sheffield um, yeah. and how I was going to do that. And I think it was by giving knowledge of our investment area. 
Yeah, no, that sounds brilliant. Um, just touching on that then, so just kind of going through the kind of process of it. So say an investor sees your videos online and they reach out to contact you. Can you kind of run us through a bit of that kind of investor relationship from that initial contact? What happens after that point of contact? Yeah, sure. So obviously my background is Mac, um, sales. Um, I've always been brought up that you need at least seven to nine touch points before somebody's ready to buy because as much as people probably don't think you are a salesperson in property, whether you're um, a deal packager or, you know, you're looking for your own investments, you're still, buy, you're still trying to sell that your experience is better over someone else's. So um, from initial inquiry, so I've put out a social media post. The one thing I would say to people is you won't get people who are looking to invest with you commenting and liking on your posts. No one who ever invests with us has ever liked or commented on anything we've ever done. So what they do is they watch you. So you have to be consistent. And that's a great way to get started and getting into that mindset of doing that is by doing a 30-day challenge. Um, <clears throat> so being consistent, you'll get a random text message or um, a mess in inbox message saying, I've been watching you on social media, really interested in having a chat. That's great. So when I first started doing it, I would just say yes to any kind of engagement. But then what I quite quickly realised is not everyone actually wants to invest. So I put a bit of a system in place. So from initial, I'm, I want to have a conversation and say, well, actually, if you are looking to work with us, please could you fill in this um, investor registration form? And what it basically is, it's part of my CRM system. It's a series of questions. So what does a good return look like to you? Why are you interested in look at investing in Sheffield? Is it just Sheffield you're looking to invest in? Because that, what that identifies to me is if they're looking at multiple sites across the UK, that they're working with multiple people, actually the probability of me selling them a deal when they're working with several of the people is quite low if they've got their hands in many other pies, whereas I like to work with people who only work with us in our business. That's just my personal preference. So um, <clears throat> they fill in the form. Once they've filled the form in, I ask for them to attach some form of ID. So whether that's a um, driving license or passport. Now, the reason I do that is I just want a little bit of commitment from them, i.e. I am serious about investing. The... The questionnaire is quite long, so if they can't be bothered to fill it in, I'm not really overly interested in having that conversation. So yeah. it kind of weeds out who's serious and who isn't. Once they press the send, it automatically gets imported into my CRM system, and then I use MailChimp, um, you know, the seven to nine points of contact. I've set up a campaign which is nine emails long, telling them about our investment area, why they should invest in Sheffield and some case studies. The first email that goes out is a Calendly link um, to book a 15-minute consultation as a phone, a phone call. We engage in the phone call and then we kind of take it from there. So they continue to get the emails to build up rapport. Obviously, they see me on social media, so building up that know, like and trust, as well as getting emails and text messages and phone calls in between. So by the time they're ready to buy, they've had way over 30 to 40 points of contact with me in about a very short period of time. Nice. Yeah. Very interesting. Definitely about that. Um, the, I like the system of the points of contact and everything like that. And I suppose it's that follow up really. Um, and that consistency that you mentioned as well with the initial, the initial videos, 
you know, I like the idea of having a kind of a 30 day challenge. It kind of, it kind of puts you, puts your back against the wall and like, you know, really kind of pushes outside them comfort zones, doesn't it? It definitely did me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what are you currently working on now? Um, So at the moment, obviously we're in the unusual times, is what I'd say. Um, So we've got um, a flip that we're um, still trying to renovate one trade at a time at the moment. So obviously that's slowed that down quite a lot. Obviously we're struggling to get everything that we need. So we're using limited materials. Um, So we've got a flip that we're working on. Um, We've got uh, two buy-to-lets just going through conveyancing. So hopefully we can get them and crack on with them. We've got three six-bed HMOs um, on a rent-to-rent basis with an option to purchase after the third year, um, which um, we've pushed them back to June at the moment, just with everything that's going on, because obviously there's already tenants in there. We don't want to start moving people out, obviously, with everything that's going on. So that's just kind of on ice, but still in motion. And then we've got a new build project, so this is a second new build project. Um, we are just um, putting the joists in. So there's three three bed detached homes in Chesterfield. Um, two of the houses have got the joists on Tuesday. The third one should. And then we can get up to the roof. Um, we're okay up to the roof and then we might struggle. So we're trying to push forward as much as possible. Um, we're just doing as best still doing as marketing still doing as direct letters and um, which actually are working really well so if anyone's not doing them now you'd really need to be on that um but yeah we're just trucking along really <laughs> <laughs> just a quick question laura when you're looking for deals or, or you are borrowing money off investors is the specific type of deals that you go for and a specific type of return on investment or yield is there anything that you've um sort of set yourself do you mean for us or do you mean for um, packaging? Um, both, both for packaging and for stuff that you're looking to take on yourself as well. Um, so for us, we only accept something, so like a buy to let, for example, or a minimum of the yield has to be 8%. Okay. Um, they normally cash flow is between 300 and 350 pounds a month. Um, yeah. We prefer only three bed semi-detached properties. Um, the reason why is because what we found, we do have a couple of two beds, but actually you get a longer term tenant. So yeah. the areas and how we renovate ours attract professionals. And what we were finding with the, obviously with the two beds is they're in there for like two or three years. Then they started a family and the house wasn't big enough. So they had to move. They didn't want to move, but they had to. Yeah. So now we really just focus on three bed, um, semi detached properties with good garden space, driveway, so people can stay there longer term. And to be honest with you, we do that for our investors as well. The difference with us, maybe with other um, deal packages, is we only buy our investors' properties where we have our own. So because we've managed to push the ceiling of the rent, um, we do good quality um, properties. But for us, um, you know, we're still going to buy buy-to-lets, not as aggressive probably as we did last year. So we ended up with nine last year. Wow. Um, but this year, we, obviously, we've got the new build um, up and running. We want to acquire some more um, plots of land to do new builds and focus on them um, six-bed HMOs. And just basically deal package, you know, three, two, three bed 
buy to lets for our investors still. But for us going forward, it, it's the new build projects that we really want to do. So build to rent and build to sell. Nice, nice. And are you sourcing the land yourself as well? Yeah, so um, that's more James's department at the minute because I've got because obviously a lot for one person. Yeah. We use Nimbus Maps, so um, James has been using Nimbus Maps to source land. So if anyone is looking to do land development or anything like that, Nimbus is a great tool to use. Um, so he's been using that, and basically you can just pipeline and do a lot. So basically, what I do for the buy to lets and HMOs, you can just create a list for direct to vendor, and that's what he does with the land. Okay. So it's a really useful tool. So he's he's concentrating more on that at the minute than me. But we're looking to get a property manager in <laughs> once all this uncertainty has vanished. Yeah. So then I can take over the, the land sourcing. They can take over the property management and just continue to push as much as we can, really. Nice, nice. So when you're borrowing um, money from investors, uh, are you using the buy refurbish refinance strategy? So we... We don't lend per project. What we do is we have investors who will lend on a return, but it's normally for two, three years. Okay. So then what that enables us to do is buy quite a few properties in a short period of time. And then we typically leave in between 12 to 20 grand per property, depending on what it is. But yeah. what that enables us to do is we do also have a cash pot of money that we can top up if we obviously get to the end of that period of time and we haven't got that full amount. So we normally do um, the lend on a three-year period. We normally pay them interest at the end of each year, but we have a, quite a good cash pot that we can utilise to do that. And it just takes off the pressure of doing it per project. You know, If you're doing buy, refurb, refinance, and you're not getting all your money out, but you haven't got your own cash pot, how are you going to fulfill and give that money 100% back to that investor? Yeah. So that's why we like to run multiple projects. We have um, different pots of money for different people. So we can always guarantee that we can give that money back. Does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. I, I always hear people say, oh, you know, um, use other people's money, use the buy, refurbish, refinance sort of strategy. But it definitely does help if you've got your own pot of money, especially if anything goes wrong. Um, yeah, exactly. I think that's definitely key. I mean, that's how we do it. I know people do buy completely and build portfolios without any of their own. The thing for us is like, if you, if you did want to do that, you would need to do something like a profit share to get the residual money out of the property or something along them lines. And that's just not what, that's not our business model. Our business model yeah. is we 100% for ourselves. We get 100% of the profit. But then what we can do is say <clears throat> for the next six months, you know, 12 months, whatever, the um, the net that we get from that property can build up in a bank account to give them their interest. So yes, we may not have earned the money each month for 12 months, but we've got three properties potentially and we can pay them all the money back plus their interest. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's great. Could you potentially run through some of the, the basic figures on one of the developments or like what, what you purchased land for and what the GD, GDV is going to be? Yeah, so um, the one we're doing at the minute, we purchased the land for a hundred grand. Nightmare we're planning. So we purchased the land for a hundred grand. It's literally been sat there doing zilch. Um, we quickly realised that it would be a feast or famine when you build, so we need to build up the buy to let. So that's why it took us four years to develop it. We tried to sell it meantime to release some money, but 
we couldn't even sell it because <laughs> oh. um, obviously we paid too much for it so obviously to recoup our costs we wanted a minimum of 106 so we've kept it we the gdv is 675 for the property so each property is 225 each um the build costs oh that's james's department <laughs> <laughs> um i think we've lent because it's all funded by a private a private investor that i've found um he's lending us 360 i think james said each property each plot is about an average of 90k each okay okay i think <laughs> Yeah, I know. We, we, as we've been getting, well, trying to look at sort of developments and seeing potential bits of land and stuff, you know, trying to look over the internet on how much an average um, an average property, co- property cost to build per square metre and stuff. And it's just, the answers are so mixed. Um, it's massive. It, the thing is for us as well, obviously, if we were to get a builder, the build cost would be a lot more. Yeah. Obviously, because, you know, the guy who's JV'd with us as well, um, he's doing quite a lot of the work himself. So he's a plumber by trade. So he's doing quite a lot of the work. Obviously, James, electrician, he, uh, he won't, he'll probably do bits of the electric so we can save money that way. But yeah. a lot of the materials we've got, we've got them at a really, really good price, like trade. Whereas yeah. if you were to get a builder in, they're going to put their bit on the materials plus their time. So for this particular build, Yes, we've done it as cheap as we can, as in we've saved every last penny because we, we paid a bit too much for the land in this in this case. Yeah. But going forward, I mean, we were having a discussion the other day that we need to get three builders to come and quote, quote a project up so we can get an average per square foot Yeah. Um, of what the build cost will be because obviously what we're doing really is unrealistic for a lot of people. Yeah. So... <clears throat> That's what we're going to be doing on this next project. So we've got three other sites in the pipeline. Um, one's a 17-house build, a 24-house build, and an 18-house build, I think, off the top of my head. So they're in the pipeline. So if we do secure them, um, that would be worked out a little bit differently to this one. It's just we bought it four years ago. You don't know what you don't know until you learn, and it's been a great learning project for us. And more so, it's our own project with our own money. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are some of the things now that in relation to uh, planning and all that? Any issues with planning or what was your experience? Oh, so <clears throat> to get access to this plot of land, um, you go between, so um, on street, you go between two houses. Yeah. So initially, um, it had planning permission for four houses. Well, we wanted planning permission for four lots of semi-detached. It did have um, prior planning permission for two five-bed houses, which where it is, it's just not a five-bed area, so it wouldn't have worked. So we went back in and asked if we could have four lots of semi-detached. But because between the houses at the narrowest point, it's 4.2 metres, and they needed five metres to get two cars down simultaneously. Um, and the gardens to each house are really long. So I um, I put, if you go on our Facebook, you can see some CGI's. You can see the, the long strips of land at either sides of the property. They're actually people's gardens. So the bit of land where our houses are used to be an um, old coal yard. So that bit was obviously not used as someone's garden, but the outer is. 
So the only option we had was to potentially buy a strip of land from one of the houses either side. Yeah. It looked like it was going to come off and it didn't and it was just dragging on for too long and I was trying to get planning through and waiting for that decision. It was just, we just thought, let's just cut us losses, let's just build the three, sell them, move on to the next project. Um, then we looked at doing flats, um, but we still needed the access because of the amount of cars going down. Yeah. So the mm. kind of only thing we could get was the three detached affordable homes or starter homes, not affordable homes, sorry, starter homes. So the three bed, um, that's what we managed to get. So we're just going to do it, move on to the next project. Now we know we need at least five metres to get access on if you want more than three houses. But, you know, it is a learning curve. The, the figures still work. It is tight. And that's why I'm trying to save as much as possible. But when people say to you, oh, you can get planning within three, six months, it took us 18 months. Really, yeah. So that's why we kind of re-looked at as plan of wanting to do new builds because realistically you're going to need at least two or three of them sites rolling at one time so you can go from one to the next to the next. It's a lot of capital that you need for purchasing that land. Yeah. And it's it's a long time. It's not it's not like five, you know, you know, three say maximum three months conveyancing on a buy to let five weeks refurbing it and then you can let it out and get some cash in it's just not that quick yeah, so yeah. that's kind of why we looked at it and thought let's build up as month, monthly income so like i say we had six to start with we had about 1500 pounds income each month um and now we're just under 5k a month which we can you know we can live off that very happy very comfortably and now we can go on to some other stuff. We'll continue to buy his buy to lets as and when they come up and they're the right ones for us. But we can concentrate on the big ones, especially with the investment that we've got through social media now. So yeah. that kind of really propelled our journey, which has been, we've been great, really. Just going back there to the whole social media thing, um, is there any tips that you'd give to people if they want to start off, say, raising that brand awareness, their own personal brand, like through social media? What, what tips would you give to someone new starting off? A hundred percent, they've got to be consistent. Um, if, if you're not consistent, don't bother doing it because people who start watching you, uh, the feedback I've had from investors who now invest with us was, it, we see a lot of people start off on social media when they're all excited and it's all new, but actually within a month or two, we don't see them very often. And for us, it, it's a reflection of our investment in them. So if they can't be consistent on social media, are they going to be consistent on that project? Are we, it doesn't give me complete faith that we're going to, they're going to finish the project or that we're actually going to get all of our money back when it's agreed. Now, I know that might sound silly when somebody first said that to me, I was like, really? They were like, yeah, because you need to demonstrate consistency to prove to us that you're a great investment. So consistency is absolute key. And the second thing for me, social proof. So as in, I don't mean if you're just starting and you haven't got any projects, that's fine. But social proof that you're going out, you're going to visit estate agents, you can stand outside houses on streets and say, this is, you know, say you've been to do a viewing, go outside, move a couple of houses down so other people don't know exactly which house you've just been to. Say I've just been a couple of houses down to look at a property very similar to this one in the background. It's on the market for X. I'm going to offer Y. If I can secure it at this, at this price, the refurb I've estimated at this, 
the return for return on capital employed is going to be 22% and your cash flow each month is going to be two, 320 pounds a month for example gross yield 8% doing things like that showing people the types of properties that you're looking at is also key when you've seen you've got a project do a week to week update on on what you are doing because it really does get a lot of engagement they might not see loads of physical likes and comments, but people are watching what you're doing. Um, what else? <clears throat> Just be yourself, be authentic, I think is a real key thing. Don't make out that you're someone that you are not, and don't make out you're doing things that you're certainly not, because you will get found out. But just be consistent, be authentic, be visible, and just give social proof of what you're doing and document your journey. So you may not have loads of properties, you may not have any, but just document, I'm just starting out in property because people are always watching and they may not initially contact you in the first month or two, but three, six, nine months later. For example, last week, we've got an investor who's been watching us for 18 months. Um, <clears throat> when I first very put posts out, like September 18, when I first started, wanting to have a conversation um, December 18. So we spoke to them. Literally this Christmas just gone. I said to them, look, it's just not going to work. It's very one-sided. And they've just come back to us now and just lent us 200,000 for three years. Oh. But that's because they've been seeing what we're doing and they've seen us start projects, how we work in them projects, finish them and rent them out because I've documented it all. Yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah, consistency is key, definitely. So where can people find out a bit more about you and get in contact with you? Um, obviously, I'm all over social media. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we've got our uh, business page, which is I-squared property, and my personal profiles, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, Facebook, YouTube. I also have a podcast called The Social Property Preneur. So hopefully you guys will let me... Uh, have this recording and I can release it on my podcast after you guys have. Um, and that's all things like mindset, social media, property, entrepreneurship, business, that type of stuff. But yeah, you can probably, if you're on social media, I will find you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just type in your podcast now to uh, subscribe. But no, thanks guys. It's um, been great. Yeah, it's yeah, been a pleasure, Laura. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for your time, Laura. No, you're welcome. Look forward to uh, potentially having, having you on again in the future or maybe doing another podcast in um, maybe next year or 18 months. It's really good to catch up and see how people are getting on. Oh, no, definitely. Definitely. That'd be, um, maybe we could do, you know, we have, when all this is over, we could do a live video together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, great to have you there. Okay, cool. thanks very much. Thank you. All right, see you later. See you. Bye. Bye. We talk about property, business, and everything in between. Hosted by Jack Heskin Taylor and Joe McCarthy. Sharing the stories of entrepreneurs, property investors, and our journey to health, wealth, and happiness. 